silence. Because Jesus could have out-argued any one of them. He could have rebuked any of their accusations. He could have defended himself in any situation. There's, there's no accusation that they could have brought to him that he could not have immediately refuted, and he would have been right. Why would he allow himself to be beaten? The Son of God, we read in John when, when they came looking for him, and he's like, who are you looking for? And, and he, they're like, well, we're looking for Jesus. And he says, I am he. And when he said those words, the people who were looking for him fell backwards. It was the the power of God revealed. Why would the Son of God allow himself to be beaten by the very people he had created? Why would he allow himself to be humiliated and spat on? Why would he allow himself to be killed? John 3, verse 16, we get the answer. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. For God so loved the world, He loved us so much. When He saw humanity, God so loved the world, He loved humanity so much that He just could not sit back and watch us be condemned. God so loved the world that He could not simply sit back and, and co- for, to see us continue to try to save ourselves through regular sacrifices, through animal sacrifices. He, he just could not see us perish. For God so loved the world that he made the ultimate decision. And so, it says that he sent, which is a big word in this context. God sent. He initiated the restoration. We did nothing to deserve it. We did nothing to instigate it. We weren't like, hey God, I got an idea. Hey God, here's something that might work. Hey God, you know what? If you would send one final sacrifice, we wouldn't have to continue on with all these other sacrifices that wouldn't last a lifetime. God, what if? No, He initiated. God sent. Before anything else, God decided the best thing, the only thing to do is send My son. God made the sacrifice. He offered his own son so that the world would not be condemned but could be saved through Jesus. I really appreciated what Henry shared because it just lines up so perfectly with what I want to share. It's like we we took notes off of each other. But I think sometimes we have this image in our mind that Jesus was somehow giddy about dying on the cross. Because when you read through the Gospels, you see that all throughout the Gospels, He knows what He's come to do. He knows why He is here on this earth. He knows that He's not here to grow old and die of natural disease or death. He knows that He has come to die on a cursed cross. And yet somehow we have this image in our minds maybe that that somehow Jesus was anticipating and looking forward to this time. But we know from Matthew... And from the other Gospels, that Jesus agonized over this decision. He agonized over what had 
to be done. Matthew chapter 26, verse 36. When Jesus went with his disciples to the place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go there and pray. This would not have been very strange. Because if you read through the Gospels, you see a number of times where Jesus leaves his disciples alone for a while to go and to meditate and to go and to be restored and to go and to pray. And so for his disciples, clearly this wasn't you know, anything all that new. Jesus had done this before. And previously he had sent his disciples across the sea and says, Hey, I'll meet you on the other side. I'm going to go pray and I'm going to spend some time with my father. Verse 37, he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, along with him. And he, became, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And now suddenly the, the atmosphere would have changed because he would have also previously taken just these three guys with him. The disciples sitting there would not have been shocked and saying, whoa, something's up, why is he doing this? But James and John and Peter, they begin to see a different side of what's going on in Jesus' heart. Listen to what he says. Then he said to them, verse 38, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Jesus did not say to them, My heart is troubled or my, my mind is preoccupied. No, Jesus said, My soul, my very being, the very person who I am is overwhelmed and filled with sorrow. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed. Now listen to the prayer of the Son of God. My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will but as you will. Father, if there is another way, show me. Father, if there is another way to redeem your people, let me see it. Father, if there is another way that your people, our people, can be forgiven for their sins, please reveal it. But if not, and let your will be done. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Could you not keep watch with me for an hour? He asked Peter. See, so often we're so hard on these disciples. Like, how could they not have stayed awake? Come on. Some of us fall asleep during a half hour sermon. You know? But this gives us something. This is Jesus for one hour. I want you to get this. For one hour pleading with God saying, Is there another way? Is this really the only way to save humanity? Is this the only way that redemption can be brought to them? Verse 41. Watch and pray. So that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Verse 42, he went away a second time and prayed. My father, if it is not impossible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, 
may your will be done. Jesus beginning to understand, no, there is no other way. Can you imagine that moment in your life when you are hoping maybe, maybe, maybe they're home now. Maybe they'll call now. Maybe, let's go look one more time. Maybe this time something has changed. Maybe this time the environment is different. Maybe this time, but as you begin to know that it's not changing. And with Jesus, it's like the reality is setting in. It's like, no, no, there is no plan B. This is the will of the Father. When he came back again, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. I woke up last night, I have no idea why, I woke up last night at 3.30 in the morning. And I just kind of did the math. I said, you know what, maybe this is about the time. Maybe this was about the time where this is happening. And at 3.30 in the morning... You don't want to be awake. And it was one of those things where I understand why these disciples were tired. So he left them, verse 44, he left them and went away once again and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Jesus agonized. He agonized over this decision to give his life for us. Luke, who was a doctor in his gospel, he writes that Jesus, well, I'll read it, chapter 22, verse 44, and being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. God is in such anguish, Jesus is in such anguish to the point of sweating drops of blood. There's a medical term for this, and I'm not sure if I'm going to say it right, hemodrosis, anyway, you heard it, look it up yourself. It's not common, but there is actually a medical term out there for when, when this happened. It is associated with very high level of psychological stress. Is when the body has so much stress, the, it begins to break down. And the blood veins, they break down, and so that instead of water coming out of your veins, small amounts of blood come out. And this only happens to people who have experienced an incredible amount or who are experiencing an incredible amount of anxiety. I want to share something with you that I'm embarrassed to share. But I remember there was a period in my life, uh, an evening where I wrestled with God, and, I, you know, and it was just one of those moments where I, I had to settle some things in my heart with Him, and, and I came across this passage, and, and I remember when I read this over, it, it bothered me because all of a sudden I realized Jesus didn't want to die. He didn't want to die. I had this image in my mind for some reason that Jesus was just so pumped that he wanted to do this for me. That this is something he couldn't wait to do. And I had this image in my mind, if Jesus loved me, then surely this was something he was looking forward to doing. Kind of like saying to parents, if you love your kids, surely you look forward to getting up in the middle of the night with them. 
If you love your children, surely you're looking forward to, you know, cleaning a dirty diaper or cleaning up after they're sick. If you love your kids, surely this is something you look forward to doing with your kids. This bothered me. And I wrestled with this thought, how could he not have wanted to die? Somehow I had this image, like I said, that he he must have wanted to do this. How incredibly selfish of me. How proud of me to think that I deserve this. And that Jesus must have just been giddy about laying down his life for me. How immature. How self-righteous. But in that time of struggling... And this is all in one evening, in that time of struggling. You know, I, I want to be very honest here. I have never, I have not heard very often when God speaks to me where it's like an audible voice where I hear him say, you know, but this was one of those moments where I could have just been, I was so sure that someone had said something to me. And I want to quote the words that I heard God say to me that night. And then it went something like this. He said, I did it anyway. Yeah, you're reading, Ike, that I didn't want to do it. But I did it anyway. I did it anyway. It's the parent who doesn't want to wake up, but they do it anyway. Why? Because of the love that God had for us. Not because we deserved it, but because God so loved the world that He could not see us be condemned. He had to provide a way out. This is true for each one of us here today. God loves you. God loves you. God sent His Son to die on a cross. Not because you and I deserved it. Not because we initiated. Not because we were somehow righteous and, and we, you know, it was a good, good plan for God. No, God did it because He loved us. Now you may, you may not even believe in Jesus. You may look at pictures like this and you may listen to these songs and you may hear the scriptures read and you may say, you know, I just don't even believe in Jesus at all. I don't believe in this. But here's something that you cannot not believe in. That this is an incredible love. And you may not believe in Jesus and you may not have ever received Him as your Lord and Savior, but you have to admit, this is the kind of love we all want to be loved with. Even if you do not believe in Jesus, even if you've never made a decision to give your life to Him today, today I want to tell you, it doesn't matter what you believe or what you've done, God still loves you. What a beautiful story. That we did nothing. And God still loves us. And pays the ultimate price. In the book of Acts, after Pentecost has happened and when the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples and, and they began to prophesy, and to speak in tongues, and, and the people wanted to know what's going on. And so Peter stands up and he tells the story. He tells of how they crucified the Messiah. And when it says there, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. They could not believe that they had done this. And they asked this question, what then shall we do? And here is the answer. Repent and be baptized. And that's the answer for you today. Repent. 
Turn from your sin. Turn towards Jesus, who's paid the ultimate price for you. Being baptized, identify with Christ. Stop living for yourself. Stop being in charge of your own life. Surrender yourself fully to Jesus. Repent of the sin that Jesus has paid for. And then identify yourself with Jesus. I'm going to ask the band to come up. We're going to sing a few more songs, three more songs. And I've asked them to do this because I want us to conclude today worshiping God and singing songs of praise to Him and thanking Him for giving His Son for us. And if during this time, if you're like, you know, I have never received Jesus Christ as my Savior, you can at any time today say, I surrender. I'm giving my life over to Jesus. The first song we're going to sing is called Once Again. And it's just this beautiful song of once again I look upon the cross. Once again I'm looking at what Jesus has done for me. Once again I'm recognizing, Jesus, you've done something for me you did not need to do. And then there's this little bridge that says, thank you for the cross. And if you're thankful for salvation today, I want us to sing that out. Jesus, thank you for the cross. Because without the cross, without the death of Jesus, you and I would still be guilty of our sins. You and I would still be trying to save ourselves by obeying law after law after law after law and knowing that we could never achieve by ourselves what Jesus has done for us. And if you've never invited Jesus Christ into your heart, Maybe today for the first time you want to sing and say, Thank you, Jesus, for this cross, because today I receive you. Today I give up. And I'm going to live for you. Today, you, Jesus, will have the rightful place in my heart. So let's stand, I want to pray, and then we'll sing, and I'll come back up right at the end to wrap up. Let's, let's pray. Father, as we now go into just a time of singing again, and these songwriters who have written these words, it's just beautiful that we can sing songs of praise to you. And Father, I pray now that we would just lift our voices out of gratitude for what you've done for us. Thank you for the cross, Jesus. Thank you for giving your life. Thank you for dying. Thank you, though, even though in anguish you asked for another way out, that you still did what you'd come to do. So, Jesus, we say thank you. And we now raise our voices in song to you in gratitude for what you have done. In Jesus' name, amen.